2: It's Lifeline with Craig Roberts. He's the host of Northern California's longest-running conservative talk show.
1: He's a man with a message, a conservative with compassion.
2: He's Lifeline's own Craig Roberts. Well, thank you, sir, and a pleasant good afternoon. 5 o'clock exactly from KFAX San Francisco. Craig Roberts with you on this Thursday evening. We welcome you to another edition of the program. We're a bit on the uh, the early side of our normal start time tonight because we are anticipating momentarily for president biden to give what is essentially his first official address from the white house now that the covid 19 relief bill has been passed and he has signed that into law um, the 1.9 trillion dollar aid package hopefully will now get some understanding as to exactly what is in the bill we know certainly the new law includes a $1,400 check provided to many Americans with first direct payments deposited into bank accounts as soon as this weekend. In addition to the $1,400 stimulus checks that will go to all qualifying Americans, the bill also extends a $300 weekly jobless aid supplement and expands the child tax credit for one additional year. It will also assist with schools in recovery of COVID, providing resources to both state and local governments and funding vaccination efforts, along with offering to support multi-employer pensions and increasing subsidies for people who buy into health plans under the Affordable Care Act. The president, when he signed the bill earlier today, said that this legislation is, quote, about rebuilding the backbone of the country, we are anticipating the, the president's address here. It's not probably going to be very long, but we will carry it for you live and uninterrupted here on KFAX. So with that, let's go to Washington, D.C. Here is President Biden on the COVID-19 relief
0: bill. Good evening, my fellow Americans. Tonight, I'd like to talk to you about where we are as you mark one year since everything stopped because of this pandemic. A year ago, we were hit with a virus that was met with silence and spread unchecked denials for days, weeks, then months that led to more deaths, more infections, more stress, and more loneliness. Photos and videos from 2019 feel like they were taken in another era the last vacation, the last birthday with friends, the last holiday with extended family. While it was different for everyone, we all lost something, a collective suffering, a collective sacrifice, a year filled with the loss of life and the loss of living for all of us. But in the loss, we saw how much there was to gain in appreciation respect, and gratitude. Finding light in the darkness is a very American thing to do. In fact, it may be the most American thing we do. And that's what we've done. We've seen frontline and essential workers risking their lives, sometimes losing them, to save and help others. Researchers and scientists racing for a vaccine. And so many of you As Hemingway wrote, being strong in all the broken places. I know it's been hard. I truly know. As I've told you before, I carry a card in my pocket with the number of Americans who have died from COVID to date. It's on the back of my schedule. As of now, total deaths in America. That's more deaths than in World War I, World War II, the Vietnam War, and 9-11 combined. There were husbands, wives, sons and daughters, grandparents, friends, neighbors, young and old. They leave behind loved ones unable to truly grieve or to heal, even to have a funeral. But I'm also thinking about everyone else who lost this past year to natural causes, by cruel fate of accident or other disease. They, too, died alone. They, too, leave behind loved ones who are hurting badly. You know, you've often heard me say before, I talk about the longest walk any parent can make Is up a short flight of stairs to his child's bedroom to say, I'm sorry, I lost my job. Can't be here anymore. Like my dad told me when he lost his job in Scranton, so many of you have had to make that same walk this past year. You lost your job. You closed your business. Facing eviction, homelessness, hunger. A loss of control maybe worst of all, a loss of hope. Watching a generation of children who may be set back up to a year or more because they've not been in school because of their loss of learning. It's the details of life that matter the most. And we miss those details. The big details and the small moments. Weddings. Birthdays. Graduations. All the things that needed to happen but didn't. The first date, the family reunions, the Sunday night rituals, it's all has exacted a terrible cost on the psyche of so many of us. For we are fundamentally a people who want to be with others, to talk, to laugh, to hug, to hold one another. But this virus has kept us apart. Our grandparents haven't seen their children or grandchildren. Parents haven't seen their kids. Kids haven't seen their friends. The things we used to do that always filled us with joy have become things we couldn't do and broke our hearts. Too often, we've turned against one another. A mask, the easiest thing to do to save lives. Sometimes it divides us. States put it against one another instead of working with each other. Vicious hate crimes against Asian Americans who've been attacked, harassed, blamed, and scapegoated. At this very moment, so many of them are fellow Americans. They're on the front lines of this pandemic trying to save lives. And still, still, they're forced to live in fear for their lives, just walking down streets in America. It's wrong, it's un-American, and it must stop. Look, we know what we need to do to beat this virus. Tell the truth. Follow the scientists and the science. Work together. Put trust and faith in our government to fulfill its most important function, which is protecting the American people no function more important. We need to remember the government isn't some foreign force in a distant capital. No, it's us, all of us. We the people. For you and I, that America thrives when we give our hearts, when we turn our hands to common purpose. And right now, my friends, we're doing just that. And I have to say, as your president, I'm grateful to you. Last summer, I was in Philadelphia, and I met a small business owner, a woman. I asked her, I said, what do you need most? Never forget what she said to me. She said, looking me in the eye, she said, I just want the truth, the truth. Just tell me the truth. Think of that. My fellow Americans, you're owed nothing less than the truth. And for all of you asking when things will get back to normal, here is the truth. The only way to get our lives back, to get our economy back on track, is to beat the virus. You've been hearing me say that for while I was running and the last 50 days I've been president. But this is one of the most complex operations we have ever undertaken as a nation in a long time. That's why I'm using every power I have as President of the United States to put us on a war footing to get the job done. Sounds like hyperbole, but I mean it, a war footing. And thank God we're making some real progress now. In my first full day in office, I outlined for you a comprehensive strategy to beat this pandemic. We've spent every day since attempting to carry it out. Two months ago, the country, this country, didn't have nearly enough vaccine supply to vaccinate all or ever near all of the American public. But soon we will. We've been working with vaccine manufacturers, Pfizer, Moderna, Johnson & Johnson, to manufacture and purchase hundreds of millions of doses of these three safe, effective vaccines. And now, at the direction and with the assistance of my administration, Johnson & Johnson is working together with a competitor, Merck, to speed up and increase the capacity to manufacture new Johnson & Johnson vaccine, which is one shot. In fact, just yesterday, I announced, and I met with the CEOs of both companies, I announced our plan to buy an additional 100 million doses of Johnson & Johnson vaccines. These two companies, competitors, have come together for the good of the nation, and they should be applauded for it. It's truly a national effort, just like we saw during World War II. Now, because all the work we've done, we'll have enough vaccine supply for all adults in America by the end of May. That's months ahead of schedule. And we're mobilizing thousands of vaccinators to put the vaccine in one's arm, calling active duty military, FEMA, retired doctors and nurses, administrators, and those to administer the shots. And we've been creating more places to get the shots. We've made it possible for you to get a vaccine at nearly one, any one of 10,000 pharmacies across the country, just like you get your flu shot. We're also working with governors and mayors in red states and blue states to set up and support nearly 600 federally supported vaccination centers that administers hundreds of thousands of shots per day. You can drive up to a stadium or a large parking lot Get your shot, never leave your car, and drive home in less than an hour. We've been sending vaccines to hundreds of community health centers all across America, located in underserved areas. And we've been deploying, and we will deploy more mobile vehicles and pop up clinics to meet you where you live so those who are least able to get the vaccine are able to get it. We continue to work on making at home testing available. And we've been focused on serving people in the hardest hit communities of this pandemic. Black, Latino, Native American, and rural communities. So what does all this add up to? When I took office 50 days ago, only 8% of Americans after months, only 8% of those over the age of 65 had gotten their first vaccination. Today, that number is 65%. Just 14% of Americans over the age of 75, 50, 50 days ago had gotten their first shot. Today, that number is well over 70%. With new guidance from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the CDC, that came out on Monday, it means simply this. Millions and millions of grandparents who went months without being able to hug their grandkids can now do so and the more people are fully vaccinated, the CD will continue to provide additional guidance on what you can do in the workplace, places of worship with your friends, as well as travel. When I came into office, you may recall, I set a goal that many of you said was that kind of way over the top. I said I intended to get 100 million shots in people's arms in my first 100 days in office. Tonight, I can say we're not only going to meet that goal, we're going to beat that goal. Because we're actually on track to reach this goal of 100 million shots in arms on my 60th day in office. No other country in the world has done this. None. I want to talk about the next steps we're thinking about. First, tonight, I'm announcing that I will direct all states, tribes, and territories to make all adults, people 18 and over, eligible to be vaccinated no later than May 1. Let me say that again. All adult Americans will be eligible to get a vaccine no later than May 1. That's much earlier than expected. Let me be clear. That doesn't mean everyone's going to have that shot immediately, but it means you'll be able to get in line beginning May 1. Every adult will be eligible to get their shot. And to do this, We're going to go from a million shots a day that I promised in December before I was sworn in to maintaining, beating our current pace of two million shots a day, outpacing the rest of the world. Secondly, at the time when every adult is eligible in May, we will launch with our partners new tools to make it easier for you to find the vaccine and where to get the shot including a new website that will help you first find the place to get vaccinated and the one nearest you. No more searching day and night for an appointment for you and your loved ones. Thirdly, with the passage of the American Rescue Plan, and I thank again the House and Senate for passing it, and my announcement last month of a plan to vaccinate teachers and school staff, including bus drivers, we can accelerate massive nationwide effort to reopen our schools safely and meet my goal that I stated at the same time about 100 million shots of opening a majority of K-8 through 8 schools in my first 100 days in office. This is going to be the number one priority of my new Secretary of Education, Miguel Cardona. Fourth, in the coming weeks, We will issue further guidance on what you can and cannot do once fully vaccinated to lessen the confusion, to keep people safe, and encourage more people to get vaccinated. And finally, fifth, and maybe most importantly, I promise I will do everything in my power. I will not relent until we beat this virus, but I need you, the American people, I need you I need every American to do their part. And that's not hyperbole. I need you. I need you to get vaccinated when it's your turn and when you can find an opportunity. And to help your family, your friends, your neighbors get vaccinated as well. Because here's the point. If we do all this, if we do our part, if we do this together, by July the 4th, there's a good chance you, your families and friends, we'll be able to get together in your backyard or in your neighborhood and have a cookout and a barbecue and celebrate Independence Day. That doesn't mean large events with lots of people together, but it does mean small groups will be able to get together. After this long, hard year, that will make this Independence Day something truly special, where we not only mark our independence as a nation but well, we begin to mark our independence from this virus. But to get there, we can't let our guard down. This fight is far from order, from over, as I told the woman in Pennsylvania. I'll tell you the truth. A July 4th with your loved ones is the goal. But a goal, a lot can happen. Conditions can change. The scientists have made clear. That things may get worse again as new variants of the virus spread. We've got work to do to ensure that everyone has confidence in the safety and effectiveness of all three vaccines. So, my message to you is this listen to Dr. Fauci, one of the most distinguished and trusted voices in the world. He's assured us the vaccines are safe, they underwent rigorous scientific review. I know they're safe. Vice President Harris and I know they're safe. That's why we got the vaccine publicly in front of cameras so for the world to see, so you could see us do it. The first lady and the second gentleman also got vaccinated. Talk to your family, friends, your neighbors, the people you know best who've gotten the vaccine. We need everyone to get vaccinated. We need everyone keep washing their hands, stay socially distanced, and keep wearing the mask as recommended by the CDC. Because even if we devote every resource we have, beating this virus and getting back to normal depends on national unity. And national unity isn't just how politics and politicians vote in Washington, what the loudest voices say on cable or online, UNITY IS WHAT WE DO TOGETHER AS FELLOW AMERICANS. BECAUSE IF WE DON'T STAY VIGILANT AND THE CONDITIONS CHANGE, THEN WE MAY HAVE TO REINSTATE RESTRICTIONS TO GET BACK ON TRACK. AND PLEASE, WE DON'T WANT TO DO THAT AGAIN. WE'VE MADE SO MUCH PROGRESS. THIS IS NOT THE TIME TO LET UP. JUST AS WE WERE EMERGING FROM A DARK WINTER into a hopeful spring and summer is not the time to not stick with the rules. I'll close with this. We've lost so much over the last year. We've lost family and friends. We've lost businesses and dreams we spent years building. We've lost time, time with each other. And our children have lost so much time with their friends, time with their schools, no graduation ceremonies this, this spring. No graduations from college, high school, moving up ceremonies. You know, and there's something else we lost. We lost faith in whether our government and our democracy can deliver on really hard things for the American people. But as I stand here tonight, we're proving once again something I've said time and time again, to so you probably tired of hearing me say it. I say it to foreign leaders and domestic alike, it's never, ever a good bet to bet against the American people. America is coming back. The development, manufacture and distribution of vaccines in record time is a true miracle of science. It's one of the most extraordinary achievements any country has ever accomplished. We also just saw the Perseverance rover land on Mars. Stunning images of our dreams that are now a reality. Another example of the extraordinary American ingenuity, commitment, and belief in science and one another. And today, I signed in the law the American Rescue Plan, an historic piece of legislation that delivers immediate relief to millions of people, includes $1,400 in direct rescue checks, payments, That means a typical family of four earning about $110,000 will get checks for $5,600 deposited if they have direct deposit or in a check, a treasury check. It extends unemployment benefits. It helps small businesses. It lowers health care premiums for many. It provides food and nutrition, keeps families in their homes, and it will cut child poverty in this country in half, according to the experts. And a fi- and it funds all the steps I've just described to beat the virus and create millions of jobs. In the coming weeks and months, I'll be traveling along with the first lady, the vice president, the second gentleman, members of my cabinet to speak directly to you, to tell you the truth about how the American rescue plan meets the moment. And if it fails at any pace, I will acknowledge that it failed, but it will not about how after long dark years one whole year there is hope and light of better days ahead if we all do our part this country will be vaccinated soon our economy will be on the mend our kids will be back in school and we'll have proven once again that this country can do anything hard things big things, important things. Over a year ago, no one could have imagined what we were about to go through. But now, we're coming through it. And it's a shared experience that binds us together as a nation. We are bound together by the loss and the pain of the days that have gone by. We're also bound together by the hope and the possibilities of the days in front of us. My fervent prayer for our country is that after all we've been through, we'll come together as one people, one nation, one America. I believe we can and we will. We're seizing this moment and history, I believe, will record we faced and overcame one of the toughest and darkest periods in this nation's history, darkest we've ever known. I promise you, we'll come out stronger with a renewed faith in ourselves, a renewed commitment to one another, to our communities and to our country. This is the United States of America. And there's nothing, nothing, from the bottom of my heart I believe this, there's nothing we can't do when we do it together. So God bless you all. And please, God, give solace to all those people who lost someone. And may God protect our troops. Thank you for taking the time to listen. I look forward to seeing you.
2: There is President Biden from the East Room of the White House fairly grim summary in some respects. He started by recounting the challenges of the last 12 months and the staggering statistic which we here have referred to on occasion that over the course of the last year, it is in terms of loss of life equivalent to 20 years worth of American involvement in wars. World War I, two years World War II, four years. Korea, three. Vietnam, 11. And we've lost more Americans in the last year than all four of those wars spanning 20 years combined. The current number standing at over 543,000 American lives lost. It is indeed a tragedy. And yet, the president also, toward the end of his address, striking a more hopeful tone, looking forward to beginning to slowly see the company the country begin to open up again acceleration of distribution of the vaccine and while no promise that by mid-year things will be as if they were 2 years ago at least a sense of hope that we'll begin to see the ability for some smaller gatherings and while he didn't refer to this hopefully by this time next year this horrible global nightmare will be behind us. Certainly from a faith perspective, this has been an important time, I believe, for reflection and for believers to share hope, hope with those that are pondering their own sense of mortality, wondering what's next, what happens if your life is cut short. So often the inclination is, I think, for we as human beings, natural behavior, to kind of just roll through life without spending much time thinking about tomorrow or the here and after. We'll have a conversation next week with Dr. Robert Jeffress on this very topic of heaven and what to expect and why it is important to be, yes, engaged in the here and now, to occupy until he returns, as Scripture exhorts us, but to also not lose sight of the fact that we are only passing through here. This is temporary visit, twinkling of an eye. This is not our permanent home. And that message of encouragement and hope, particularly for those who have lost loved ones during this painful experience, is one that we as believers need to be sharing. Encouragement, positivity, and the hope that the gospel provides that though we suffer through experiences here on life, our pain is only for a moment, but joy comes in the morning, right? As the Psalms remind us. You're in tune with the Thursday edition of Lifeline. I want to mention before we turn a corner, and I'll have a little bit more to say about this later on in tonight's broadcast, but just prior to coming on air tonight, uh, we learned of the passing of another great in the Christian faith, evangelist Luis Palau, who had been suffering from lung cancer for quite some time, um, has lost that battle at the age of 86. So our thoughts and prayers go to the Palau family, and um, we'll have more to say about his life and his ministry and the impact that he's had on so many lives a little bit later on. Again, Evangelist Luis Palau, dead at the age of 86 due to lung cancer. It's 5.30 from KFAX. We're going to get you an update on traffic. When we come back, we'll also take a look at what's been going on on Wall Street as this edition of Lifeline continues. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. All right, welcome back to The Conversation. Well, taking a look at the world of money, the Dow continuing to break records, closing once again above 32,000, while the NASDAQ attempts to regain some momentum after officially moving into correction territory this past Monday. How did things end for the day? Well, joining us now, Premier Advisor with Vitucci & Associates, Dan Beltran with all the latest. Dan, looks like pretty much an up day all the way around today.
1: Yeah, it was an update all the way around, Craig. Um, you know, the NASDAQ was making headlines most recently because of the recent uh, correction that they experienced. And the Dow made another high. It wasn't since uh, mid-February that the Dow had its most recent high. And then the S&P kind of followed suit as well in positive territory. But uh, all indexes in the green today. And so for investors, that's, that's a good sight to see.
2: How much of these do you think is being stoked by the, the announcement by President Biden of the, uh, the passage of this $1.9 trillion coronavirus relief package? While we don't know much detail about what's in it, certainly a fair amount has got to go help businesses, I would hope.
1: Definitely, and there's going to be businesses in certain areas of the economy that'll be uh, helped more so than those in others. Um, you know, the, the relief has been uh, plentiful for lack of a better word, for quite some time now. And, uh, you know, with what the Fed's saying in terms of uh, their posturing to to keep interest rates low and do whatever is necessary uh, to to do that, uh, along with this continued stimulus, I think, you know, the pent-up demand is is ready to hit this summer. Um, Things happen quickly. And so, you know, markets are are charging forward. I think this this bill will... uh, you know, be the the topic for for today and and days and potentially weeks to come. And then I think it's going to be a discussion of infrastructure and what's in store uh, in that area. And, you know, the companies that um, expect to benefit from those different areas uh, or those different forms of stimulus should do well, and you'll see the market prices reflect that.
2: And certainly in relationship to the market, we're all trying to kind of figure things out here, whether a casual investor or just a John Q. public kind of setting money aside in an IRA or a 401K working toward retirement. This sense, Dan, of the disparity that exists in the way people have been impacted by covid-19 there are some businesses we know that have been absolutely decimated shuttered the doors you know basically locked up and said that's it we can't take any more of this what's next we don't know and then other businesses many of which of course were either covid centric in providing uh, supplies materials related to covid relief and and uh, the covid related infrastructure or businesses that just in, in an ancillary fashion benefited because folks weren't going out, so they're buying online, and if your name is Jeff Bezos, wow, Um, 2020 is a year that you'd love to have several like that in a row. That said, do you think as we begin to see more of the digging out, more of the recovery, that as much as there's been some disparity in the way people were impacted, we'll also see some disparity in the way people recover, and what about the long-term outlook when it comes to how investors need to look forward and what's going to be the paradigm shift perhaps as we move into hopefully a no longer COVID related economy and how should be people be looking at rebalancing their portfolios under that circumstance?
1: Well, rebalancing is key. It's going to happen throughout every market cycle. If you're handling your investments responsibly and uh, this time is no exception to that, you know, keeping perspective is the key and the perspective for most people is long-term and you know long-term isn't just a year or or three years it's from now not just to your retirement but through your retirement and so maintaining that balance not getting too far out of whack but maintaining um, the portfolio that will help you achieve your goals is, is key here. And, and, you know, for those that are getting close to retirement, uh, this is a time you thought you probably would never see. And creating income is at a premium right now because interest rates have been held low, manipulated low for so long now. Um, market pundits uh, now will say that uh, based on what's happening in the market, inflation could hit 3 maybe 4% later this year. what does that mean for the bond market? What does that mean for investors that are holding bonds for income or even holding bonds as a diversifier in their portfolio? Uh, These are forces that can affect portfolio values as, as, as well as income. So now more than ever, it's key to revisit what you have, revisit your plan moving forward, and make sure that what you hold is reflective of, what you need not just today and tomorrow but in the years to come
2: and especially as you point out Dan the closer that you get toward retirement the protection of that bottom line that nest egg becomes more and more important and you move from the contribution phase to the distribution phase making sure that the choices that you've selected are going to work for you and going to continue to provide the kind of income that you'll need once you hit retirement, and you're right, with sort of the the um, um, polar opposite response to the bond markets to what goes on in, in traditional equities. Uh, what seemed like a good idea six months or a year ago might not be just the best thing for you looking forward. Now you want to learn more, and you're thinking, guys, you lost me. This is this is a, getting a little bit too complex, and to be sure. Navigating the world of investing and retirement planning these days is not like it was for Grandma and Grandpa years ago, where they enjoyed a railroad pension, maybe had a little money in the, you know, the, the uh, uh, energy stocks, you know, the local power company or what have you, and that, and a little small check from Social Security, and the mortgage had been paid off, so life was comfortable. Things are much different for many these days, so you got to make sure that you're planning and planning wisely. Want to take advantage of a complimentary financial health and retirement plan review? It's sort of an independent voice that can give you some sense of whether or not you're on track or way off and require a little bit of readjustment of your uh, retirement planning navigation? Well, why not go to don'tinvestandforget.com and schedule your appointment? Dan Meltren, Pat Vitucci, any member of the Vitucci and Associates financial advisory team, happy to meet with you, and that consultation is without cost or obligation. Call toll-free, 888-PLAN-WISE, planwise or once again, you can schedule your appointment easily online, even have the appointment online if you prefer, at dontinvestandforget.com. That's dontinvestandforget.com. Dot com. Our thanks to Dan Beltran for that update, and we invite you to tune in for Don't Invest and Forget, Saturday mornings at 8 a.m. on our sister station, AM 1220 KDOW, the Bay Area's business leader. 546 from KFAX. Let's get you an update on traffic.